0: Hello, and welcome to Teacher in Zion Podcast, a podcast for Christians, Mormons, ex-Mormons, and other Book of Mormon believers, or anyone questioning their faith or the Church, with an emphasis on seeking the truth, wherever it leads, but especially in gaining a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. I am your host, Doug Hatton, and this is episode 16 of the podcast, entitled, David Whitmer Voice from the Dust part 1 David Whitmer was one of 3 witnesses who had an angel appear to them and show them the Book of Mormon plates although all 3 of these witnesses would eventually become estranged both from Joseph Smith and the church that he founded none of them ever denied their witness to the Book of Mormon Whitmer testified that he saw a light quote Not like the light of the sun, nor like that of a fire, but more glorious and beautiful. He then described a table appearing with the golden plates, the urim and thummim, and other objects referenced in the Book of Mormon narrative. Whitmer continued, "I heard the voice of the Lord." As distinctly as I ever heard anything in my life, declaring that the records of the plates of the Book of Mormon were translated by the gift and power of God. End quote. David Whitmer, Oliver Cowdery, and Martin Harris signed a joint statement declaring their testimony to the reality of what they had seen. David Whitmer would become the most interviewed of the three witnesses. And though he came to understand and testify that Joseph had begun to make many errors after translating the Nephite record, he valiantly defended the Book of Mormon itself in interview after interview. And whenever someone tried to say or publish that he had denied his testimony, David Whitmer would vigorously address such rumors and publicly set the record straight. In his twilight years, it is said that he sometimes had several visitors a day people from all around the country, including Mormon missionaries and others who were curious to meet him and hear his testimony directly. David continued to set about privately and publicly testifying and bearing record to the truth of his testimony and the truth of the Book of Mormon, even upon his deathbed. When David Whitmer was old and felt that he was not long for this world, he decided to put into writing a letter in defense of the Book of Mormon, which also touched upon the errors of Joseph Smith and the errors of the Church, or in other words, the errors of the Latter-day Saints. The letter was published in 1887, one year before his death, and was divided into two parts. Part 1 addressed those who did not yet believe in the Book of Mormon, who rejected it out of hand because of what they had heard regarding the errors of Joseph and the Mormons. Part 2 addressed all those who testify that they believe in the Book of Mormon, and it is a letter of admonishment and correction calling upon the Latter-day Saints to repent of the idolatry of treating the words of Joseph Smith or any man as if they were the very words of God without properly proving them out. Whitmer called upon the saints to trust in God alone and to turn back to Christ and the two books of scripture that God had given them to correct their doctrine and set mankind on the right path. Both the LDS and RLDS leadership dismissed what David Whitmer had to say and discouraged their people from reading his letter, and they falsely accused him of being an apostate who had been thrown out of the church. But the truth is that Whitmer had left the church of his own accord when, after failing to persuade Joseph of his error, the Holy Spirit instructed him to separate himself from the church. Only after leaving of his own accord was he formally excommunicated from the church on the grounds of breaking the word of wisdom, neglecting his leadership duties, meeting with other apostates, and circulating unfavorable information about Joseph Smith. It may be interesting to note that not only was David Whitmer one of the three witnesses and among the first six elders of the church, but in 1834 Joseph Smith had ordained Whitmer to be the president of the church in Missouri. And even appointed him as his own successor should Smith quote, not live to God. End quote. After the death of Joseph Smith in 1844, several rival leaders claimed to be Smith's successors, including Brigham Young, Sidney Rigdon, and James Strang. Many of Rigdon's followers became disillusioned by 1847, and some of them including two apostles from the original church, William E. McClellan and Benjamin Winchester, remembered Whitmer's 1834 ordination to be Smith's successor. At McClellan's urging, Whitmer acknowledged his claim to be Smith's successor, and so the Church of Christ, Whitmerites, was formed in Kirtland, Ohio. However, Whitmer never joined the body of the new church, and it dissolved relatively quickly. It seems clear from the testimony of those who knew David Whitmer best that he was an extremely honest and humble man and that he never sought power in the church. Later in life, a letter was signed by many of the most prestigious citizens of Richmond, Missouri, where David Whitmer resided, non-Mormons all, who certified that they had been, quote, long and intimately acquainted with him, David Whitmer and know him to be a man of the highest integrity and of undoubted truth and veracity, End quote. Among those who signed the letter was a general of the U.S. Army, the mayor of the city, the local postmaster, the editor of the local newspaper, bankers, attorneys at law, the sheriff, the country treasurer, and a probate judge. When Emma Smith was old, a conversation was held in the rlds herald office between bishop rogers elders w w blair h a stebbins and a few others who were leading minds in the church they thought it advisable to secure from sister emma her testimony upon certain points upon which various opinions existed And to do this, it was decided to present to her a few prominent questions which were penned and agreed upon, the answers to which might, so far as she was concerned, settle these differences of opinion. Appearing in an article entitled, Last Testimony of Sister Emma, in the Saints' Herald, Volume 26, Number 19, page 289, dated October 1, 1879, the question was asked of her, what do you think of David Whitmer? This question was most certainly asked because Whitmer was a rather controversial character whom both the LDS and RLDS Church had painted as an apostate due to the views that he had expressed. And Emma Smith answered, David Whitmer, I believe to be an honest and truthful man. I think what he states may be relied on. End quote. I had read some of Whitmer's address to all believers many, many years ago, and although I was impressed with the truthfulness of some of his statements, I think I was resistant to fully accept it and the implications thereof. More than 20 years later, after having been taught many things regarding the ways of God and the errors of the church as revealed by the Holy Spirit, the Bible, and the Book of Mormon, and by the mouth of many witnesses that I've come in contact with. My wife and I decided to revisit David Whitmer's address. Thinking on it now, it should have come as no surprise just how much of what Whitmer had written a 135 years ago resonated strongly with my own testimony now. In fact, many of Whitmer's statements are nearly word for word what the Spirit of God has shared with me. And word for word, many of the things found in my books, videos, and countless posts online. Similarly, many others I have come in contact with have experienced the same thing. Having been brought to the truth by the scriptures and the witness of the Holy Spirit, they end up encountering David Whitmer's address and find it to be a powerful second witness to what they had already received. Coming from a person who was intimately involved with Joseph Smith and the work of the Restoration, I find David Whitmer to be even as a voice of truth speaking to God's people as if from the dust. But how many of the saints have really heard about, much less read, his letter, a letter which he painstakingly penned with love for our benefit? I would like to share, therefore, excerpts from this booklet with you. And while I also plan to comment a bit as we go, my purpose here is mainly to give voice to the words of his valiant witness. I'll begin in part one of Whitmer's address, which is written to Christian believers who have thus far rejected the Book of Mormon. Near the beginning of his address, David addresses the issues of polygamy among the Utah-based LDS Church stating that it is, quote, a stumbling block to those who desire to investigate as to the truth of the Book of Mormon, end quote. However, he argues, quote, the doctrine of polygamy was not introduced until about 14 years after the church was established, but other doctrines of error were introduced earlier than this. Joseph Smith drifting into errors after translating the Book of Mormon is a stumbling block to many, but only those of very weak faith would stumble on this account. Greater abominations are recorded of David in the Bible than is recorded today of Joseph Smith. But do you reject the Psalms on this account? Do you reject the Proverbs because Solomon was a polygamist? Stop and think you who are hasty to condemn. If you desire to know whether or not the Book of Mormon is true, read the book and investigate it. For Christ has promised that he who seeks in the right way shall find the truth of all things. We are commanded to prove all things and hold fast that which is good. First Thessalonians 5.21 Speaking of the church that Joseph Smith founded, he stated, quote, they have departed in great measure from the faith of the church of christ as it was first established by heeding revelations given through joseph smith who after being called of god to translate his sacred word even the book of mormon had drifted into many errors and gave many revelations to introduce doctrines ordinances and offices in the church which are in conflict with christ's teachings they also changed the name of the church End quote. David Whitmer is referring here to the name of the church which the Lord had revealed should simply be called Church of Christ. But in 1834 it was renamed to the Church of the Latter day Saints. And this was again changed in 1838 to become the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. Whitmer continues stating, quote, their departure from the faith is also according to prophecy, taken from 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and the doctrines of devils, on account of God giving to Joseph Smith the gift of to translate the plates on which was engraven the Nephite scriptures. The people of the church put too much trust in him, in the man, and believed his words as if they were from God's own mouth. They have trusted in the arm of flesh. Jeremiah 17.5 reads, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. They looked to Joseph Smith as lawgiver, We look to Christ alone, and believe only in the religion of Jesus Christ, and not in the religion of any man. Whitmer goes on to state that the Church of Christ, of which he endorsed, "...accept only the Bible and the Book of Mormon as the rule and guide to our faith, agreeing upon the doctrine and gospel of Christ." The Book of Mormon comes forth claiming to be the scriptures of the tribe of Joseph, written by holy men of God, which record has been kept pure. The Book of Mormon comes forth claiming to make plain the doctrine of Christ as taught in the New Testament. And it does make it so plain that a child can understand it. To all who are without prejudice, the Book of Mormon is the key to the understanding of the Bible. As I have stated, all who take it and the Bible alone as their guide to their faith agree on the doctrine of Christ. Let's think about that last statement. All those who take the Book of Mormon and the Bible alone as their guide to their faith agree on the doctrine of Christ. I'd like to take a moment here and say that this is a truth that the Holy Spirit has revealed to me Even long before I read David Whitmer's address to all believers, what I was shown is that the way forward, the way in which we can unify how God's people can come together and unify, is to return to the Bible and the Book of Mormon as our core books of Scripture. And that's not that we must throw out the Doctrine and Covenants altogether nor do we need to forsake any and all of the past, present, or future revelations that may come, as God can always speak to us and reveal His will. But I was shown that if we would simply take these two books of Scripture, which God expressly gave to the church in order to lay down contention, correct our doctrine, and establish peace, and make them one in our hand— even as the Bible and the Book of Mormon both state should happen. Not a three-in-one nor a four-in-one. Neither of those are prophesied in our scriptures. But as the prophets have prophesied, a two-in-one. If we would set everything else aside, at least temporarily, there's no reason we could not unite upon the gospel and the doctrine of Christ as outlined in those two books Brothers and sisters, let me be totally frank with you. We will never be able to unite around the doctrines and revelations found in the Doctrine and Covenants. Which of the six different editions of the Doctrine and Covenants would we use? Or should we use the Book of Commandments? Which version of the revelations should we use? The revelations as God originally gave them? Or as they were changed by men? I tell you of a truth. Even if all of Mormonism agreed to use, for example, the RLDS Doctrine Covenants as printed up to a certain year, we would still never be able to unite around that book. So long as that book is given equal weight to the Bible and the Book of Mormon, we can never fully unite. After 54 years on this earth, having observed all various splits, divisions, and attempts to reform or regroup over the years, every argument, debate, division, strife, or contention that has arisen among the Restoration people has centered around some revelation or doctrine presented in that book. Think about it. Don't take my word for it. Go back and trace the history of your divisions, and you will see that this is so. On the other hand, the gospel and doctrine of Christ as presented in the New Testament and in the Book of Mormon together are so plain and precious that God's people can surely rally around it. Not only are they so simple that even a child can understand them and without the kinds of contradictions that we find in the Doctrine and Covenants, but focusing on implementing the teachings of Christ in those two sacred books can change and transform the hearts of men, and in time cause the church to become a light to the world, a city set on a hill. Not a man-made, earthly institution, but I speak of the spiritual church, even the body of Christ, which we can, all of us, be members of when we make our covenant with Jesus Christ. Regarding his testimony of the Book of Mormon, David Whitmer writes, quote, I will say once more to all of mankind that I have never at any time denied that testimony or any part thereof. I also testify to the world that neither Oliver Cowdery or Martin Harris ever at any time denied their testimony. They both died reaffirming the truth of the divine authenticity of the Book of Mormon. I was present at the deathbed of Oliver Cowdery, and his last words were, Brother David... Be true to your testimony of the Book of Mormon. He died here in Richmond, Missouri on March 3rd, 1850. Many witnesses yet live in Richmond who will testify to the truth of these facts, as well as to the good character of Oliver Cowdery. The very powers of darkness have combined against the Book of Mormon to prove that it is not the Word of God. And this should go to prove to men of spiritual understanding that the book is true. Dear reader, I want to ask you this question, David Whitmer goes on to say. If you are an unbeliever in the Book of Mormon, I hope you will study it over prayerfully. The testimony of seven men, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Peter, and Jude, comes down to us 1,800 years old. You accept their testimony as true today we have the testimony of eleven witnesses who have lived in our generation one of which myself is still living these eleven men having lived honorable and upright lives but you reject their testimonies and accept the testimony of the seven men who have been dead eighteen hundred years If you will not grant a possibility of the Book of Mormon being true, and sit in judgment and hastily condemn it after reading what I have written, you can surely see for yourself that your heart is full of prejudice. Remember that prejudice is not of God. It is the Spirit that hastily condemned and stoned the prophets of God in all the ages past. So beware and look well to your own heart that Satan does not blind your understanding to the truth. If you are open to investigation and conviction, I pray you to read the Book of Mormon with a prayerful heart. David Whitmer then includes the following words which he is quoting from the Book of Mormon. Woe unto all those who tremble and are angry because of the truth of God. For behold, he that is built upon the rock receiveth it with gladness, and he that is built upon a sandy foundation trembleth lest he fall. But behold, there shall be many at that day, when I shall proceed to do a marvelous work among them, that I may remember my covenants which I have made unto the children of men, that I may set my hand again the second time to recover my people which are of the house of Israel. And this is a quote from Isaiah 11.11. 11. And also that I may remember the promises which I have made unto thee, Nephi, and also unto your father, that I would remember your seed. Many of the Gentiles shall say, A Bible, we have got a Bible, and there cannot be any more Bible. But thus saith the Lord God, O fools, they shall have a Bible, and it shall proceed forth from the Jews, mine ancient covenant people. And what thank they the Jews for the Bible which they received from them? Yea, what do the Gentiles mean? Do they remember the travels, and the labors, and the pains of the Jews, and their diligence unto me? in bringing forth salvation unto the Gentiles. O ye Gentiles, have you remembered the Jews, my ancient covenant people? Nay, but you have cursed them, and have hated them, and have not sought to recover them. But behold, I will return all these things upon your own heads. For I, the Lord, hath not forgotten my people. Thou fool, thou shalt say, A Bible, we have got a Bible, and we need no more Bible. Have you obtained a Bible, save it were by the Jews?' Know you not that there are more nations than one? Know you not that I, the Lord your God, have created all men, and that I remember those who are upon the isles of the sea, and that I rule in the heavens above and in the earth beneath, and I bring forth my word unto the children of men, yea, even upon all the nations of the earth? Wherefore murmur ye, because that ye shall receive more of my word. Know you not that the testimony of two nations is a witness unto you, that I am God, that I remember one nation like unto another? Wherefore I speak the same words unto one nation like unto another. And when the two nations shall run together, the testimony of those two nations shall run together also. And I do this that I may prove unto many that I am the same yesterday, today, and forever." and that I speak forth my words according to my own pleasure. And because that I have spoken one word, you need not suppose that I cannot speak another. For my work is not yet finished, neither shall it be until the end of man, neither from that time henceforth and forever. Wherefore, because that you have a Bible, you need not suppose that it contains all of my words. Neither need you suppose that I have not cause more to be written. For behold, I speak to the Jews, and they shall write it. And I shall also speak to the Nephites, and they shall write it. And I shall also speak unto the other tribes of the House of Israel, which I have led away, and they shall write it. And I shall also speak unto all nations of the earth, and they shall write it. And it shall come to pass that the Jews shall have the words of the Nephites, and the Nephites shall have the words of the Jews and the Nephites and the Jews shall have the words of the lost tribes of Israel. And the lost tribes of Israel shall have the words of the Nephites and the Jews. And it shall come to pass that my people, which are of the house of Israel, shall be gathered home unto the lands of their possessions, and my words shall be gathered in one and I will show unto them that fight against my word, and against my people who are of the house of Israel, that I am God, and that I covenanted with Abraham, that I would remember his seed forever. For behold, except ye shall keep the commandments of God, you shall all likewise perish. As many as the Gentiles as will repent are the covenant people of the Lord, and as many of the Jews who will not repent shall be cast off. Woe unto them that turn aside the just for a thing of naught, and revile against that which is good, and say it is of no worth. Whitmer interjects here that this would include the Book of Mormon, rejecting it as of no worth, and he continues quote, for the day shall come that the Lord God will speedily visit the inhabitants of the earth, and in that day that they are fully ripe in iniquity they shall perish. But behold, if the inhabitants of the earth shall repent of their wickedness and abominations, they shall not be destroyed, saith the Lord of hosts. But he that believeth these things which I have spoken, him will I visit with the manifestations of my Spirit, and he shall know and bear record." End quote. I want to share just one more comment from David Whitmer, and it's taken from the first part of his address as well. And then I'll make a couple of quick comments before ending this episode of the podcast. We'll return to this topic next week and conclude by sharing from the second part of Whitmer's letter, which is addressed to the Book of Mormon Believers. And believe me, it packs quite a punch. So if you've never heard of it, tune in or prayerfully read it for yourself. Whitmer brings up an often cited reason that many Christians have given to me and others over the years for why they reject the Book of Mormon. They quote from a passage in the Book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 18, which reads, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. End quote. I've heard more Christians than I can count tell me that this means that no one can add anything to the Word of God, that the Bible is the complete, full measure of God's Word, and there is no more Word of God. And therefore, the Book of Mormon is in violation of the statement made in the Book of Revelation. What Whitmer states is that, quote, This passage actually means that no man shall add unto the prophecy of John's revelation. It can be plainly seen that it does not refer to the Bible because the books which compose our Bible were not compiled when the revelation was written. And he is correct. The word book being used here is actually referring to a scroll. In the time of Jesus and afterwards in Jerusalem, each of the individual books that make up the Bible today were, in fact, individual books or scrolls. They were never compiled into one book. When Jesus read from the scroll of Isaiah in the synagogue, it was just that, the writings of Isaiah only, its own complete book. Likewise, John here is referring to the scroll that he is writing upon. He is referring to what we call the book of Revelation, and not referring to the Bible, because the Bible didn't even exist yet. But I will do David Whitmer one better, and point out that Deuteronomy 4.2 likewise prohibits anyone from adding or taking away from the Word of God. If we cannot accept the Book of Mormon on the premise that the Book of Revelation tells us not to add or take away from God's Word, then we must logically reject the Book of Revelation itself and every book of the Bible that came after the Book of Deuteronomy. Whitmer goes on to point out that the Bible, quote, comprises only the books which the canons decided to compile. There are many inspired books that have never come down to us. There are over 15 books spoken of in the Bible that are not in the Bible. I'll end this week's episode of the podcast with just a few comments. For my Christian friends out there who do not yet accept the Book of Mormon, I would like you to understand that when the Book of Mormon was translated in 1828, There was a lot of confusion and debate over what the Bible said, and especially over what God required of man. In fact, church after church sprang up over these differences. Many could not even agree on what it took to be saved. The Book of Mormon clarified and made plain the doctrine of Christ, which was Jesus' own words to the Nephites, which were recorded by them when he visited the Americas after his resurrection. Today, much of Christianity is more or less in agreement on those things and would find that the Book of Mormon is in total agreement with the truth and in perfect harmony with the Bible. But in the 1830s, it was not so. In fact, many Christians were contrary to the teachings of Christ and did not know it or really understand their Bibles. And there was a great diversity of opinion on many points of doctrine in the Bible, even upon the very words of Christ and who Christ was and the very nature of God, and what it took to be saved. I would also like to share that the Nephite record plainly testifies that the gifts of the Spirit, including miracles, healings, tongues, and prophecy, were not done away with, but were to continue in all ages, and that if ever these signs that were to follow the believers ceased among the children of men, it was due to unbelief. Today, many Christians now believe this to be true, and some even walk in those gifts. But in 1828, the vast majority of Christian denominations clearly taught that the gifts had been done away with, and that they were only for the time of the apostles. In many ways, Christianity has finally begun to catch up to the truths plainly spelled out for mankind in the Book of Mormon, and yet they still refuse the book. Not because of the actual contents of the book, but because of its association with Mormonism. And this is what David Whitmer will go on to great lengths to show, even as I, myself, have tried to do in this podcast and in my videos and books. In truth, the Book of Mormon has nothing whatsoever to do with those doctrinal and theological errors found in Mormonism that most Christians rightfully reject. Also, know that the Book of Mormon, though in harmony with the Bible, is not just a repeat of the Bible. It has a value of its own. It is a wealth of information regarding the words of the prophets and what is to come. Many of its prophecies have already unfolded since the death of Joseph Smith and are continuing to unfold. Even now, exactly as foretold in the text of this marvelous book of scripture. Many things which will soon unfold are also revealed in this book, and you can benefit from it without ever needing to become a Mormon or believe in those doctrines you have heard so much about and rightfully reject. Whether you believe in the Book of Mormon or not, I hope you will join us again next week. If you have not done so already, consider subscribing or following the podcast so that you can be notified of new episodes. If you find what I have shared here to be of any value, pray about and consider sharing it as the Spirit leads you with those who might benefit from considering these things. I'll be the first to tell you that no one needs to believe exactly as I do. Anyone listening should feel liberty to disagree with me at any point and choose for yourself what you will believe to be right. I am just a man, after all, and I have fallen into error numerous times. I can only do as we all must do, remain humble, repent as needed, and hopefully grow in the understanding of the Lord. Even if we do not fully agree on all things, we can perhaps benefit from the exchange of ideas, and in the sharing of revelation or truths, allow the Holy Spirit to help us sort it out and put the pieces of the puzzle together. I have greatly enjoyed hearing from several of our listeners in recent weeks, and I would love to hear from all of you. If you wish to share something, make a comment, or ask a question, you can email me at teacherinzion@gmail.com. That's teacherinzion, all one word, no spaces, at gmail.com. Until next time. God bless join us for discussion in our Facebook group facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hope of Zion or at our YouTube channel teacher in Zion that's the word teacher space and in Zion spelled as one word my books can be found at amazon.com Ford slash Ockham, Ford slash Douglas, Hatton, that's H-A-T, like a hat on your head, T-E-N, like the number of 10. Until next time.